Hello, I'm Maria Gallagher, and this is Lifelines, the radio program of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. We have an exciting program ahead, but first, the headlines. The death of President George H.W. Bush has focused new attention on the former president's pro-life accomplishments. The Bush administration wanted the U.S. Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade, the tragic Supreme Court ruling which brought us abortion on demand for any reason, and for no reason, during all nine months of pregnancy. The Bush administration stated that protection of innocent human life, in or out of the womb, is certainly the most compelling interest that a state can advance. Of the Radical Freedom of Choice Act, which would have established a pro-abortion policy beyond Roe, President Bush said, it will not become law as long as I am President of the United States. President Bush vetoed 10 bills with pro-abortion provisions, including taxpayer funding of abortion. It is clear that the late President Bush became a staunch defender of human life. The nation owes him a debt of gratitude for that. January 22nd will mark the 46th anniversary of the tragic U.S. Supreme Court ruling Roe v. Wade. Roe brought us abortion on demand for any reason, or for no reason, during all nine months of pregnancy. It also led to the frightening practice of partial birth abortion, where a baby is partly delivered, then killed. Thankfully, that horrible procedure has been banned nationwide, but we are still left with outrageous practices such as dismemberment abortions, where babies are torn limb by limb from their mother's wombs. We will have more on the fallout from Roe v. Wade later in the program. The Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation is pleased to announce its student contest for 2019. The essay contest is open to students in grades 7 through 12. Students must write a pro-life essay on abortion, infanticide, or euthanasia. Winners will receive cash prizes. The video oratory contest is open to high school students. Students must produce a five to seven minute video in which they present a pro-life speech. The winning student in the senior high division will receive an all expense paid trip to the national contest at the National Right to Life Convention in Charleston, South Carolina. Complete rules for both contests can be found on our website at www.paprolife.org. And now to our guest. Michael Chipachopo is the executive director of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation, where he has been serving for 17 years. He is a veteran of the U.S. Air Force and worked as a hospital administrator for 31 years. He is a passionate and eloquent spokesman for the right to life, and we are so fortunate to have him here with us today. Welcome, Michael. Oh, thanks, Maria. Hello, everybody. Now, we are coming up on the 46th anniversary of the U.S. Supreme Court ruling known as Roe v. Wade. What exactly did that decision do? Well, actually, it legalized abortion in all 50 states. Up until that point in time, all the states had restrictions on abortion in their state laws. But Roe brought about abortion on demand for any reason, or really no reason at all, when you combine it with Doe v. Bolton, the, uh, the other court decision that was issued at that time. And this is through all nine months of pregnancy. And this has led to the greatest loss of life 
in American history. You know, more babies have been killed by legal abortion since 1973 than the number of military people that have been killed in all the wars in the United States' history, Maria. That's really astounding. We, we've lost a fifth of our population, really. really. Yeah. Now, what has been the fallout from that court ruling? Well, tragically, nearly a million preborn children die each year from legal abortion in our country. Um, for many years, it was actually more than a million a year, just in the United States alone. We're missing doctors and musicians and athletes and scientists and teachers and so many others who are not here because of abortion. And we have countless women who are grieving the loss of their children. You know, I've spoken personally to so many women who have told me that even in the years after their abortions, they still think about their babies and wish they were here today. Yes, I've heard from women who say that every single day they think about it. And I just saw on Twitter where this woman confessed to another woman the fact that she finally regretted her abortion. She's 86 years old. Wow. So yeah. sometimes it takes a long time for the realization to set in. And once it sets in, it can be devastating. But we know that there's also healing and hope available to these women. That's true. Now, do you find that people are aware of just how many preborn children have died from legal abortion since Roe? No, absolutely not. You know, I've traveled all over the state of Pennsylvania, and I've developed this little habit of randomly asking people, how many abortions, how many legal abortions do you mm -hmm. think we've had in the United States since Roe v. Wade? And let me tell you what. Not many people, not, I've never actually talked to somebody who's not heavily involved in the pro-life movement mm -hmm. who knew that it was 60 million pre-born children that have died from legal abortion. I was talking to a Catholic ethicist one time about the issue, and when I asked him the question, he looked a little startled, like he never really thought about it. And, and he said to me, I don't know, maybe 5 million babies died from abortion? It's 60 million babies. And and, and I'm thinking to myself, if a Catholic ethicist doesn't even have a clue, the average person on the street really doesn't know. And, and how can you blame them? I mean, they're not getting the statistic on the evening news. The mainstream media is not putting it out. And Planned Parenthood, the nation's largest abortion operation, certainly isn't going to talk about all their young victims of abortion. No, and we know that Planned Parenthood commits more than 300,000 abortions every single year and it's just an astounding number and i know that when i was a reporter i did many many stories about abortion but i would not have been able to have told you how many abortions there were oh, i yeah. think i think i probably thought there were thousands maybe hmm. but i had no clue about the number that were going on because it's just not talked about that much right and that's why the pennsylvania pro-life federation and National Right to Life are so important because we get that information out there. We educate people about these things. Now, Michael, how has Roe versus Wade harmed women? Well, I mean, women are often left to grieve all alone in the shadows. Um, people don't even know what they're going through, and, and they don't feel like they can really tell anybody about it. And, and women who have had abortions are more likely to experience substance abuse and, and other addictions that they've gotten into. Women who have had abortions are more likely to suffer from depression. 
um, the suicide rate among women who've had abortions is much higher than the normal population. Women have told me that they actually have no sense of personal worth because when they were entrusted with protecting their own helpless baby in their womb, they allowed the abortionist to kill that child. And they cannot, they cannot believe that they as a person have any worth anymore for having let that happen to their own child. And that's so sad, but fortunately there are organizations such as Rachel's Vineyard where women can go on retreat and they can receive the counseling and the support they need to overcome those feelings of inadequacy that they feel. But it's, it's a terrible scourge that, that we've inflicted on women. I think it's the greatest scourge of all time on oh, women. Really? Yes. Of, of all the things that you could have done to women, legalized abortion was in fact the worst thing. I agree. But we also know that men suffer. So can you tell me what has been the impact of Roe versus Wade on men? How has it harmed men? Well, there, there are many men who are grieving silently from abortion. They suffer from the loss of fatherhood. They've, they've lost the legal right to protect their preborn children. You know, when you think about it, they try and say that this is not a man's issue. This is only a woman's issue. But, you know, men fall into three different categories when it comes to this. First of all, you've got those men who have actually coerced or even forced the mother of their baby to have an abortion. That's the first category. Mm -hmm. Then you've got those who, rather than speaking up and protecting their offspring, allowed the mother to make the decision and go through with abortion herself and didn't do anything to protect their child. And then you find the third group are those who fought to save their babies from abortion, but then they found out they had no legal right to do so. They had no, no recourse uh, to stop that. They found out that until the child's born, they have no rights at all. After the child's born, all of a sudden, they're very responsible. They have to mm -hmm. take on responsibilities, but they have no, no rights at all before the child's born. So all three categories of men can be post-abortive and can suffer all kinds of issues from it at different points in their life afterwards. You know, I will never forget standing in front of an abortion facility where I was doing sidewalk counseling, and there was this one man who walked by, and he stopped, and he told us that he had lost a child to abortion. And the pain in that man's eyes, I have never forgotten. It, it, was, it was so disheartening. And as a society, we just do not recognize this pain that men experience from abortion. We just sweep it under the rug, and that's why it's so important that men be told that, that they can also receive support and healing. Yes. That's, that's very important. Now, why do you think that Roe versus Wade will be overturned? Well, it's not just me that thinks that. I mean, <laughs> even pro-abortion people have said that they believe it's going to be overturned. I mean, Roe versus Wade is such a bad ruling. We now have scientific advances such as 4D ultrasound, which provide, which, which actually prove the humanity of the preborn child, something that was not clear to the Supreme Court back in 1973. And we're saving premature babies at even earlier and earlier stages of life. And the court ruling, which allows abortion to take place up until the moment of birth, 
makes no sense. Modern medicine works so hard to save the lives of so many premature babies, while abortionists kill so many perfectly healthy preborn babies. Uh, the Constitution contains absolutely no right to abortion in it, when you look at it from that standpoint. And, and really, the 1973 Supreme Court created that right out of nothing. And that is wrong. The Supreme Court is supposed to defend what's in the Constitution, not make up rights which are not there. Absolutely. And when Roe versus Wade was decided, I mean, these justices were basically making the decision in the dark. They didn't have 4D ultrasounds like we have right. today, and they didn't have the type of medical information that we have today. And certainly premature babies were not being saved at the early, early stages of development that they are today. I mean, we just saw on the news where there was a baby that was saved at 21 weeks, and, and now that baby is thriving. Yeah. And back then, that was not common. So we have advanced so much in science that we need to have our case law advance as well. And that's one of the reasons that Roe must be overturned. It's just a question of when. We don't know exactly when that's going to happen. Right. But we do know that it will happen. Now, what can Pennsylvanians do to prepare for an overturn of Roe versus Wade? Well, I, I think something that would be really good was if, if your listeners were to make sure that they're receiving regular communications from the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. I mean, this is why we're here uh, to help provide this information. People can sign up for our weekly email newsletter, the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Online News that comes out every Monday morning. Um, all they have to do is go to our website at www.paprolife.org. That's paprolife.org. Go there. They can sign up with their email address. They can make sure they get that. And the nice thing about the online news that we put out is it's not a, it's not a huge email. It's usually about three key things that are going on in the state. It's very quick read, and people can feel like they're up to date on what's going on when they look at it. Um, they can also post pro-life articles and ultrasound videos on social media, and they can share pro-life articles and videos with their friends and family members. The, the thing is, people have to understand that when the Supreme Court overturns Roe versus Wade, that in Pennsylvania, we are going to need to enact laws to ban abortion like we had those laws before 1973. If we don't, abortion is going to remain legal in Pennsylvania even after Roe versus Wade is overturned. That's why we have to be prepared to pass those laws. Yes, we have to be prepared with a state legislature that's going to pass those laws. That's why it's so important that people sign out the stands of those candidates for the state House of Representatives and the state Senate to find out whether they will defend innocent human life. And as far as educating goes, it's so important that people educate themselves first. That's why we talk about reading the online news, reading our other publications and newspapers such as Lifeline. It's also important that people educate others. And people say that social media is a cesspool. <laughs> well, mm. there is a lot that's bad, unfortunately, about social media, a lot of negativity. But there is also something incredibly good about that. I mean, we see where uh, a number of our leaders turn to social media 
in order to influence public policy. And we have that power ourselves with our friends and followers. So it's important that we harness that power in order to defend the right to life. Now, how do you respond to those who claim that the U.S. isn't really ready for an overturn of Roe? Oh, well, Roe should have been overturned years ago. Mm -hmm. Public opinion polls actually show that most Americans oppose most abortions. We have so many women out there now who have had abortions who say that Roe must be overturned. The United States is, isn't just ready for an overturn of Roe. We're already 60 million dead babies overdue for an mm. overturn of Roe. Roe must go. That's right. Roe must go. And it's just like the Supreme Court ruling which defended slavery. I mean, that couldn't stand right. because it, it was just so unjust. And that's the same thing with Roe versus Wade. It's just inherently unjust. It's not a part of our American value system. It's contradictory of that. And that's why it, it must end at some point. And, and I hope we live to see it. <laughs> I really, really do. Now, one of the results of Roe was the launch of the annual March for Life. What does the march mean to you? Well, I, I think everybody should realize that it is the greatest peaceful demonstration in the United States. It, in United States history, really, if you think about it. I mean, it has been going on in January at the United States Supreme Court every year since the first anniversary of Roe versus Wade in 1974. This attracts hundreds of thousands of people from throughout the United States who believe in the sanctity of human life. People ride buses from everywhere in Pennsylvania and from across the nation. People make great personal sacrifices just to go there, to, to give their voice to the voiceless unborn. And it doesn't matter how cold it is or how warm it might be. I mean, it warms my heart every time I go uh, to, the, to the March for Life. I never get tired of it. There's nothing more important to do on that day of the March for Life than to go to Washington, D.C. and to let the world know that the killing must stop. And it's important that people realize that the March for Life is going to be on January 18th yes. of, of 2019. It, it's not January 22nd. Um, they changed it, so it's going to be on January 18th. And so people need to keep that date in mind, and they need to be there because, unfortunately, the pro-abortion forces are going to have their own march the day after that. And, and we really need to show our solidarity and to show the massive numbers of people who support an overturn of Roe versus Wade by participating in that March for Life. Right. Now, what have you found to be the most inspiring thing or the most surprising thing about the March for Life? Well, I think the incredible thing is the number of young people that participate in the march. Most of the marchers, for your listeners who have never been to the March for Life, might be surprised to know that the majority of the people who are down there are under the age of 30. And I'll tell you what, these inspiring young people really do inspire me to do even more for the cause of life. They say that they are the pro-life generation, and I believe that they are the generation that will restore constitutional protections to all of our citizens from the moment of conception until natural death. 
Yes, I really believe that that's the case. We see where the millennial generation and the I generation, which follows the millennial generation, are so pro-life. They're really more pro-life than their predecessors were. And you see that on display at the March for Life in phenomenal numbers. And it's just so encouraging to see those high school and college students who are standing up for life and they're standing up for those pregnant women and their babies who need their help. And I, I think it, it does bring tears to your eyes to see that every year. That and the bitter cold, I think yeah. that brings tears to your eyes as well. But it's, it's very important that people support the March for Life as much as they possibly can. And then we also know that there are chapters throughout our state which do their own marches. For instance, the Erie chapter, People for Life, they have their own March for Life yep. in January. So there are plenty of activities in January for people to take part in to show their support for the pro-life cause. Right. Now, if people are interested in attending the March for Life, what should they do? Well, the first thing they can do is contact us through our website, www.paprolife.org, uh, and we can let them know if there are any buses leaving from their area to go to Washington, D.C., if they're looking for a ride to go down. Um, they can call us. Uh, if, if somebody's listening and they really don't go on the Internet, uh, they can dial up 717 540 Four one zero zero three four seven one seven five four one zero zero three four, and we'd be happy to assist them. Um, and it's good for people to make their bus reservations a little early because those seats could be selling out quickly. You're listening to Lifelines, the radio program of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. We were speaking earlier about the involvement of young people in the pro-life movement. Now, can you talk about the student contests that the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation offers? Yes, we at the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation offer two exciting contests, an essay contest and a video oratory contest. Um, the essay contest is open to students in grades 7 through 12, and the students must write a pro-life essay about something dealing with abortion, infanticide, or euthanasia. And the winners of the essay contest will receive cash prizes. And we also publish the, the number one essays in both the junior and senior category in our Lifelines newspaper. So they can become published authors at that point. Uh, the video oratory contest is open to high school students. Uh, juniors and seniors take part in the main contest while freshmen and sophomores compete in the novice section. And the first prize winner of the oratory contest will get to go to the National Right to Life Convention to compete in the National Oratory Contest. And in the summer of 2019, it's going to be held in Charleston, South Carolina. So it'd be worth it to really get a good speech in uh, to get a chance to go on that trip. Students have to submit a five to seven minute video on a pro-life speech about abortion, infanticide, or euthanasia. And all the rules for how this is all done are all on our website at paprolife.org. If teachers are interested in having their students participate in the essay and oratory contests, what should they do? Well, they, like I said, they can go to our website. They can check for the rules for the essay contest and the oratory contest. If teachers have any questions, um, they can contact us and we can let them know. We have, we have teachers every year in the state who will make an assignment in their class uh, for their students to write these essays and then submit a whole class worth and, and people win. 
Yes, it's, it's really remarkable. Now, we're coming up on your own anniversary with the Federation. What have been the major accomplishments during your tenure? Well, since I became the executive director in 2002, um, we've passed abortion center regulation law, which led to the closing of six abortion centers um, because they either could not or would not meet basic health and safety standards. Um, the abortion totals in Pennsylvania have been consistently going down. We've helped to publicize the Kermit Gosnell case. Um, for any of your listeners who don't know, this was a Philadelphia abortionist who was convicted of killing three newborn babies and causing the death of a female patient, Karnamaya Mangar. Uh, and he's in jail. He'll be in jail for the rest of his life for that. Uh, we've also increased our media presence through radio shows such as this one uh, and Pro-Life Notes our one-minute radio commentaries. We've developed the largest listing of Pennsylvania pro-life pregnancy centers on the web. Um, and we've expanded our reach through social media sites such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest, just to name a few. Now, if people would like to become involved with the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation, what should they do? Well, by all means, they should uh, join uh, us in our life-saving efforts mm -hmm. by checking with our website, getting hold of us through there, reading the website. There's so much good information on the website. It's a course in itself. Yes. Uh, they can call us, as I said, at 717-541-0034. Um, and we'd love to talk to them and listen to them and help them get associated with the chapters that we have all throughout the state of Pennsylvania. And you've really had a remarkable tenure here, Michael, and, and in, in essence, you're just getting started. Because yeah, it's, there's, there's so much left to do. It, it's crazy, but I've, we're coming up on our 40th anniversary, and I've been here for almost half of it. So <laughs> it is a little crazy. Well, thank you so much, Michael. Thank you, Maria. And thank you for listening. That's it for today's installment of Lifelines. I'm your host, Maria Gallagher. And remember, there's always a reason to choose life.